chilled your delicate sensibilities. This has explicit fucking content. Hi, my name's Angela, and I have over 30 years experience in the adult entertainment industry. And I'm Jordana, and everyone called me Devil Girl in grade school. Drift Bear. Why? Because I am from Eastern Kentucky and they still allow people to come preach to the children. And my mother would not allow me to go because she was a different sect of Christian than the people who came around that call themselves missionaries. Oh, that indicated to all the other children and their parents that I must worship Satan during the satanic panic of the 80s. I think the satanic panic was actually a good fun time. (laughs) Really? Yes, it was good. Well, as you can see by my shirt today, I've embraced the devil girl moniker because I'm wearing my devil's music sing-along shirt. Yeah, I I think that I'm going to call you that from now on too. I like it. You could also call me baby snakes. Baby snakes? Why baby snakes? I don't know. That's what my friend used to, you know, instead of baby cakes. Baby snakes. Baby snakes. (laughs) That's pretty cute. I dig it. Breaking news. Kevin Spacey recently appeared in court and he was facing charges, which included four charges of sexual assault and one charge of causing a person to non-consensually engage in penetrative sexual activity, which sounds a whole lot to me like rape, like rape. Not really getting why that's not the word, but this was in England, I believe, is where he's appearing in court. I believe that is true. London to be precise. But he he pleaded not guilty. Correct. That's bananas. What do you think? I think he's super rapey and it makes me sad. But there's only three people alleging it. I mean, yeah, just three whole people. I don't know. This is so gross. And it makes me think about American Beauty in a whole different light. Agreed. He played that role so well. Mm-hmm. Was always one of my favorite movies. I cannot even bring myself to watch it now. Same. That bathtub scene, it just is so creepy to me now. The creepiest. Oh, it was creepy before, but I thought he was just acting. Yeah, but hmm. what do you think is going to come of it? Do you think he'll get out of it like every other man does? Probably. Why is it that no matter who or where, when, anytime somebody comes out, like has the courage to come out and say, I have been sexually assaulted, nobody believes them ever. Well, look at the dozens of women who came out against Bill Cosby. He was finally brought to justice just to be let out. Yeah, I don't even, I can't. I don't understand why the world is like this. I don't understand why it has to be this way. I need it to be better. It's because of the patriarchy. Well, I need there to not be that. Fuck the patriarchy. In the butt. Say it, Angela. Say it. Fuck them. Fuck the patriarchy. In the butt. I have a listener question. I love listener questions. How clean is the stripper pole? So, I don't know if you know this or not. In the clubs, they uh, regularly clean the pole. Some dancers go to the extent of carrying around a little rag, and there's usually alcohol at the stage where the girls enter. So it's like the gym. And they wipe down the pole in between entertainers. Yes, with the alcohol and the rag that they use repeatedly. So I kind of have a funny story about that. I don't know how much it's really about the pole, but back when we talked to 
Shayla, she was talking about some of the porn stars that come into the club and entertain. The clubs bring in the adult stars because they have a big name and it's a huge draw. So we'll get guys that normally wouldn't even come to strip clubs because they want to see this woman that they've watched in movies. And Jenna Hayes is a, a huge name. Her movies are very well known. Jenna Hayes was very sweet when she was there. She's this adorable little cutie. She really wasn't much of a dancer on stage, as Shayla mentioned. However, the guys were enthralled by her performance. She went on stage in like a little schoolgirl skirt and she would plop her little butt right down on the stage rail, throw her legs wide open and spit on herself and play with the spit and rub it on herself. They absolutely ate that shit up. It was pretty sexy. So no, she didn't do pole tricks and she didn't have any great theme and I don't think she could really dance to save her cute little life. But she was right up front and center with the guys and did all kinds of slimy things they absolutely adored. I think that the entertainers, and I do see this a lot in the clubs or did see this a lot. I think the entertainers find that, you know, touching yourself and then touching the pole super unhygienic. And they're always worried that they're going to get porn star cooties or something if they touch the pole after them. Well, it sounds pretty hot. It was hot. It was. I always like it when people spit on the genitals in porn. I'm, I'm a big fan of spitting. Yeah, I like that. I, oh, yeah. I like the spitting. I mean, dudes dig that shit, right? I mean, that's. I don't know what dudes dig. I know why I dig it. <laughs> the wetter, the better. Isn't that a thing? Like big sloppy wet blowjobs. From my personal experience, I feel like it's a good thing. You know, I know someone who likes toothy blowjobs. I don't know anyone that likes toothy blowjobs. Please tell me about this person. So I know a guy who likes toothy blowjobs. And when I when I first started performing the blowjobs on him, it seemed like he wasn't all that into it. You know, I was covering my teeth up. One day he was finally like, couldn't you just let your teeth slip? a little bit. And I was like, oh, what? <laughs> really? And he was like, yeah. So I just stopped covering my teeth at all. And he, that is the thing he likes. <laughs> he wants those al dente blowjobs. That's interesting. I have not known anyone like that. I usually end up with a, like a ridge inside my mouth from where I've bitten my lip, trying not to hurt somebody in the process. Yeah. That's how I always was <laughs> till somebody asked me not to do that. Now I'm going to go looking. I mean, I got to try it, you know, I got to well, see yeah. it. <laughs> I mean, is that something you should ask a partner from now on? Do you want me to let my teeth slip? Yeah. Maybe if you just give it a little nibble, you can like test the waters. Another thing I've noticed is a lot of guys are very shy about allowing you to touch their testicles. But if you show them the way of, of the testicle tickling, they're really into it. Yeah. I think that they're just scared. You know, testicles are super sensitive and they're worried that somebody else isn't going to know that only a certain amount of pressure is acceptable or only a certain amount of, of contact is okay. They don't want you to, to hurt them. Super sensitive. Little, little fellas. Got a honey fuck along. <laughs> oh my gosh. So I have to know, does anybody know this honey fuckle thing? Jordana, for the first time in my life, told me, said to me, honey fuckle. And I've never heard it before. So explain what honey fuckle is in case it is a country term that my great grandmother used to use, and it just means coddling or babying a grown man. Honey fuckle. Honey fuckle. So it's it's going to become part of my vocabulary if you hear me saying it. It's because uh, it's a great word. R.I.P. Great grandma. <laughs>
You know what else she used to do? I don't. She used to stand on the front porch and she'd scream, pussy, 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 pussy. And every cat in a 12 mile circle would come running and she would feed them all. That is amazing. And now I do it and the cats come. (laughs) (laughs) I bet they do. (laughs) Jordana's the cat whisperer, if you didn't know. Today, we're talking to Jenny. She has several years in the adult entertainment industry and she's a former Planned Parenthood employee, currently a hairstylist. Tell us about your time working at Planned Parenthood. So I just did a few months. To me, I needed a experience. I have a degree in public administration, nonprofit. So to me, I felt like it was an end to get into that nonprofit. I'm 47. So with a degree being older, you know, sometimes it's a little bit harder for us to get into places, but it was more on the medical, you know, you're making appointments and you have to know medical terms. I took biology three times and they were like, well, why do you mess up these words? And I'm like, look at the word. It wasn't the job for me, but I did learn a lot from it. You said that you made appointments and you said you had to explain services to people. Is that on the phone? Yes. Yep. We did for all of Northeast Ohio. And so you probably had to answer a lot of questions and tell people that there were other services besides abortion, which is what a lot of people think of when they think of Planned Parenthood. So what are some of the other services? So some of the other services are definitely, you know, STD testing, treatments. One of the new newer services is uh, gender hormone replacement therapy. Um, so they're very big into, you know, your pronouns, respecting people's beliefs in that way and making the process for those 18 and over comfortable transitioning. And then females and not so much males as of yet, but they wanted to change that could come in for your yearly womenly exam, you know, a health exam. There's not necessarily maybe a full physical like you would get at your normal doctors, but definitely, you know, discussing different options. Uh, They provide birth control. They also came out with a very cool app. It is called Planned Parenthood Direct. So if you can't get in anywhere, maybe you need a refill of your birth control that you forgot about or a UTI, you could download Planned Parenthood Direct within 24 hours. You know, you just explain what you're feeling and you know, put that into the app and it's possible that you could receive treatment for UTI or birth control. That's amazing. I had no idea about that. Yes. And then the big one is for abortions, which everybody thinks that people just wake up and think it's a great day for an abortion, but that's not the truth. Everybody thinks that they perform all these whatever thousands abortions a day or something, but that is not true. And this is a very sensitive issue for everybody involved. It takes some time and thinking. And a lot of times in the state of Ohio, you have to come in for two appointments. The first appointment will go over all the steps that you have to go through. You're going to have a, have to have a, you know, sonogram and they'll explain the procedures, what your options are. And in the state of Ohio only goes up to 20 weeks, I believe with the heartbeat bill, it'll be six weeks. As of now, I don't think that's changed, but I haven't worked for them for a while. And, you know, Roe versus Roe was just overturned. Um, I don't know how that's changed. But at the end of the day, it takes like a month sometimes to get in, you know, because there's only two abortion centers in Ohio. One is in Columbus and then one is in Bedford. And there's only a couple of doctors that perform these surgeries in their time because a lot of them are not employees at Planned Parenthood. They're volunteering their time. Planned Parenthood that you worked at, did they do screening mammograms? They refer out for that. So they may not have the equipment there, but they will definitely do referrals. And then I know when I worked there, Title 10 funding 
which provided for people who needed financial assistance mm-hmm. wasn't available. So what a lot of people don't think, everybody thinks that abortions are paid for by the state, but that's not true at all. A lot of people who have state insurances do have to pay out of pocket for abortions. It is not covered by state insurance, government insurance, or anything like that. A lot of them, if they are able to get financial assistance, it's from private donors. It's not coming out of your state taxes or whatever. You're not paying for anybody's abortion. How are services paid for when you go to Planned Parenthood? Like birth control or any of the services that they offer, do they have financial aid in general to cover those services? They did with Title X funding, but when Trump was in office, he reversed the Title X funding, which provided free treatment for STDs, free birth control, even down to the IUDs. Those were all things that were available for free. You had to get your STD testing and you just didn't have the money. Like nobody wants to run around with STD, right? But if you don't have the money, like unless you're going to go to the emergency room and create a hefty bill or you don't have insurance. When I left, Title X still wasn't in effect, but that's what Title X covered. Title X did not cover abortions. Abortion services were strictly based on private donors. Like if somebody needed help, but typically most women or that have to come in for an abortion do have to pay out of pocket. What year did you work at Planned Parenthood? I stopped working in January just for six months to 2021. If you had anything that you wanted people to know about Planned Parenthood as an organization, what would that be? That they're amazing and that abortion isn't the only service they provide. You know, they're there for the community. They're there for people who, you know, discreetly want to get birth control or, you know, there's a lot of people that maybe want to get IUDs because pregnancy isn't for them or having a baby right now isn't for them or birth control or anything. I mean, birth control could be used to regulate periods or anything like that, but they're very private. They are very, very strict with the HIPAA. They're very secure with your information. They are there for everybody, men and women. And they're there to listen, to provide education and awareness to communities, not just with abortion, but they're there for your reproductive rights for men and women. You know, um, when I left, I had suggested vasectomies, like, because a lot of men called about vasectomies in January, I think there was some big scare about the Roe versus Wade and men were calling you like crazy. I was like, you know, we should definitely see if we could get a program to be able to pay for this, you know? And they said they did they did before. And in some states, they do have a program where they pay for that. They were maybe looking into doing that again. I think before they probably got the funding for it. And I'm just speculating and maybe it didn't have a high turnout, but I think that it's something that they're definitely probably considering for the future. Does Planned Parenthood offer any sort of security to employees? Is going into work dangerous or uncomfortable? And do they do something to mitigate that? Uh, Yeah, I think like with all jobs, it can have a higher risk. Uh, We got to work from home for the call center. So that was kind of cool. But at all the centers, they do have security available, especially at the clinics that perform abortion procedures. There are security people that walk employees and patients to and from their car. I didn't know that they did that. Does Planned Parenthood operate solely off of donations and the title? And funding. They, They rely strongly on donations. Yes, they do. And a lot of them are private donors and they're actually from both sides of political parties. 
parties. So even though people think only one political party supports um, abortion services or services for rep- reproductive needs, there are donors from every party or from every you know walk of life that do support Planned Parenthood in general. Because again, they're not just for abortions, they provide so much more. And especially services, this is a little bit new, PEP and PrEP that you could take for HIV, they, that you could take to prevent from getting HIV. And is that for people who are active with unknown HIV positive partner? It's anyone who's at risk. Okay. Right. That is was, that correct? That was a word I was yes. looking for. Like, yes. Do you have, or did you have a list of service related costs for individuals when they came in, if they wanted to be seen for assessment for STIs, or if they needed to be seen for birth control? Did you have a list of prices that you went over with people when you talked to them on the phone? Yes. And those are cash prices that they pay upfront. It doesn't get billed through insurance or anything like that. Yep. So you could pay different ways at the time that I worked there. Let's just say you were coming in for a routine SDI check that would include chlamydia and gonorrhea. That would be 117 out of pocket for testing. And that doesn't include the medication that you may need for treatment or any additional testing. If you don't have the 117, they do have 20% payment plans, and 40% payment plans, which we would put money down and then pay the, the rest in three installments. Do you want to talk about your career trajectory from working at clubs and Planned Parenthood and doing hair? Sure. I mean, most of us become nurses or hairstylists. <laughs> Isn't that the golden rule? For me, being, you know, an entertainer, when I came into the world of entertainment, I was so tomboyish. I had some Payless pumps, the satin ones that you could dye. I was walking like a new baby deer in them. And I'll tell you a funny story. So when I first did it, I had a little Walmart outfit on, got up on the stage at the Crazy Horse, which is all nude. So I really went for it. I'm like, I'm going to do this. I was waitressing at the Crazy Horse and they talked me into dancing. So get up there and I made $400 just on stage, looking like the baby deer in headlights. So when I got off the stage, one of the girls was like, pull me aside for some constructive advice. And she was like, you really need to shave your bush. And I was like, what? What do you mean? What's a bush? No clue. Nobody taught me. <laughs> This kind of had to explain to me that 70s wasn't in style. Got me a little landing strip. She went in detail about what you needed to do to trim down <laughs> yeah. the bush. What if that unruly pubic hair was what got you that $400? It probably was. So at 19, you were a waitress and then you started dancing. And then while you were dancing, you went to hairdressing school. And then what happened? So I danced and then I was going to school. And so I was uh, sexually assaulted. I was raped. I'm a part of uh, the DNA backlog kits. I didn't know the person who attacked me. And at that time, because I was a stripper, everybody assumed somebody followed me home. And that's why that happened. But the truth is the person lived in my neighborhood. And where I danced, I worked at, at the time I worked at the circus. And we worked at the East Bank of the Flats. And there was no way that our owner or the bodyguards or managers were letting anybody leave that club until the flats was cleared out. And they walked us all to our car. And sometimes I stayed at other people's house. Like I didn't have a solid routine at at the time because if I was drinking, I would stay in Cleveland. So the person lived in my neighborhood. Actually, he lived behind me. We later found out and the way that he broke into my house was through a side street that you really had to know the neighborhood. But at the time I dated and I later married uh, not the greatest person in the world, but because he he was a drug dealer, I was a stripper. They were like, she, I don't want to say got what she deserved because at the end of the day, I didn't. But for a long time, you do believe that. Your attack happened in your house? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Uh, my son was upstairs sleeping. 
morning and I was asleep broken and I woke up to him. I'm sorry that that happened. That's really horrifying. And it sounds like the things that happened after were horrifying too. Yeah, it was all pretty traumatic. And even going through the court experience, you know, later in life, it brought out a lot of things. Like I was never diagnosed with PTSD up until 2014, but I lived a whole life of probably drinking a little too much. And I experimented with other things, but I didn't get too addicted to any other things to silence everything out, you know, abusing myself or just have a really bad temper. Not so much anymore. When I do have my attacks, everybody would be like, oh, she's having an episode. They're triggers. And I avoided counseling because counseling can be tricky Somebody until you find somebody you can really connect with and be able to break down those barriers. There were time periods where I didn't want to deal with it. You know, I loved my dancing career prior to getting raped. When I came back to dancing in 2004, I definitely had to be a lot more under the influence of either drinking and pills or a combination to get through it. You know, it was very triggering, but at the same time, it was very comforting because in the entertainment industry, I'm not saying that everybody's experienced that, but a lot of girls have experienced trauma like this. So you find a group of people that comfort you. And I I have so many friendships. I found that over the years, the women in the adult entertainment industry are always a very comforting group of women. A lot of them have been through so much trauma in the past. They don't want to see anybody else hurting and they're always very mothering and and sweet. How did they ultimately end up catching this dude? He raped me in 2001. He was in prison for 2003 to 2012 for sexually related crimes. He has a huge history of sexually related crimes. He got out of prison in 2012, moved to the Dayton area, and then he kind of groped a woman at a Walmart. At that time, the laws had changed, so they sent him to only a halfway house after he was a repeat sex offender for doing this to this woman but they also had to make him take a DNA test which led him back to me because I didn't know who he was and I got the phone call and I was like wow and the description that I gave the police of the person that I seen was spot on so that was frustrating to me because kind of feel like in 2003 I mean they had DNA evidence DNA has been a thing for a while but unfortunately we're finding out there's so many women that have been raped um, and a lot of a lot of sex workers that report crimes just people in general that maybe aren't, people don't really take them as seriously as they should. Yeah, there's always been a bias, more likelihood to go after somebody if the person who's been attacked is, you know, from a a more affluent um, neighborhood or a wealthier family. Just it's taken more seriously than if you're a sex worker or, you know, a homeless person or... Unfortunately, I think a lot of times it's not taken seriously at all. Right. Well, that's true too. Absolutely. So when they found him, I was kind of pissed. Like, really? Like, I've called the police station all the time every year sometimes twice like yo you found him yet like we were at a me and my detective were on a name to name basis he already knew I was going to be calling then they found him and then he gets to waste more time when the DNA clearly says it's him very frustrating you know to know that as a sex offender in prison as a sex offender before that new law changed you have the right to deny a DNA test and the laws didn't change until 2012-2013 where they now say that if you commit a 
felony, you have to give up your DNA. So how long was it from the time that you reported to the crime to when he was actually caught? 13 years. So did he get prosecuted for that now? Is he in jail for it? He is, yes. For how long? He got 15 months, but the way they read it off, it should have been like 30 years. So we were all shocked when they put everything together. 15 years with time served because he wasted time prolonging things when the DNA clearly says it's you and you and I don't know each other. Hello, I'm going to fight back. And I read my impact statement. Yeah, it was pretty rough. The ordeal itself brought out a lot of repressed memories. I also learned that I had ADHD. ADHD and PTSD don't really get along very well. So I kind of have to learn how to balance all that out and relearn just a lot of the trauma that I experienced. You know, you have to relearn everything. And and then I did good for a while. I'm a state advocate through the state of Ohio. I did basics training. Lorraine Police Department offered Citizens Training Academy. So I did do that. But then during COVID, I think I kind of lost my passion. I don't know that I would be a good advocate as far as working directly with patients because I get really mad about our court system. So I'd rather push for change on the judicial end where you can be a little bit more aggressive, like with our state representatives or legislators. Just So what are the big changes you would like to see? More jail time, honestly. Don't let them out ever. Keep them there and start helping your victims more. I needed help. I couldn't work. I couldn't do a lot of things. And my grandmother helped me pay my rent. I physically could not go to work. I was having breakdowns. Mike DeWine is just showing off his little commercials about how much he does for great victims because he released all those tests, but I couldn't get any help. And they denied most of my claims because I didn't have 13 years worth of receipts on how this crime affected me. Do you feel like you got any closure at all from him finally being caught and sentenced? I did. I did feel like I did get some closure and I want to use it, you know, use my story to make sure that we make laws stronger because you know what? He's going to be out when he's like 60, 70 years old. You think he's not going to do it again? You know, he's always been in prison for sexually related crimes. He's going to do it again. And maybe this time the person might not live. Do they help you get counseling? Rape crisis. Yeah, definitely. Rape crisis helps with that and everything like that. Very great advocate from uh, Lorraine Rape Crisis Center. And, you know, I worked, they were really wonderful to me. And Cleveland Rape Crisis Center, I've done advocacy days down in Columbus prior to COVID. And I just go down there by myself. Um, Lorraine, they don't have a lot of workers to be able to send to these type of events. I went for Ohio Alliance to End Sexual Violence, Survivors Council with them. And we would just go down to talk about laws. And we're pushing Aaron's Law, which is a house bill designed to enhance education for teachers, students, grade appropriate K through 12 education on uh, noticing signs for teachers of sexual abuse, teaching kids what's appropriate and not appropriate as far as touching. It's called Aaron's Law. It's implemented in, I want to say, 30 something states as of right now. It's still teetering in Ohio because people are like, is it appropriate to be teaching my kid that? But is it appropriate for your kid not to know that? And teaching our kids, I have two boys, you know, what is right, what is appropriate, what's not appropriate as far as rights go. Their rights, because this happens to men too. We just got to remember that this is something that affects everybody. Do you feel like your past trauma and your heart for advocacy factored into you working at Planned Parenthood? Definitely, yes. Like I said, I went into Planned Parenthood with more of a nonprofit or uh, I have a certificate in public management too with that more of going in to hopefully grow within the organization. But it's a fantastic organization. It was just more on the medical side. I'm not really good with medical and stuff. So I recently um, was hired for job and family services. Nice. Yeah. So I start the 16th of August. It's very exciting. And I'll be out doing intake with people, you know, uh, food stamps and stuff like that. Do you have anything you'd like to 
add or anything you'd like to tell uh, listeners or anything? I love Angela. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone does. We love Angela. We had so much fun together. We did. We had a lot of fun. And let me tell you, I will say Hustler Club Kitchen is very clean. And Angela used to make us scrub it with a toothbrush. (laughs) A literal toothbrush. Yes. Get that corner. This has tickled me so much. (laughs) She's like, you don't know how to behave today. You get in there with this comment and toothbrush. No wire hangers. Listen, this is how we learn. Learn um, what exactly? What are we learning? You can't put, punch the bitches in the throat. <laughs> and we want peep shows back. <laughs> I've always wanted oh to gosh. go to a peep show. I've never, I've always wanted to see one. She worked in the peep shows. You did a peep okay. show. So yeah, back in the day, I used to work at a little seedy club. Um, they used to have them all over Brook Park Road, but they were kind of cool because you would totally work behind this glass. So you didn't have any contact with anybody. It was just you on one side performing a little show and the other person and they had to pay you and you made good great money no contact whatsoever just a screen what and what kind of show are we talking about a little peep show let me give you one hilarious guy because this guy would come in all the time and he different scenarios my favorite scenario was this he was a white guy and he had the little tiniest dick in the world but he would come in all the time and he'd be like okay so one time he's like pretend you're a maid i caught you stealing blah 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 and then he's like tell me how big and black my dick is i'd be like what and i'd be cracking up at him laughing like i'm like oh my God, big and black <laughs> it's so big and black i can't believe it <laughs> is that exactly how you said it too <laughs> yes because i was laughing the whole time <laughs> was it a micro gherkin yes. yes it was like a little belly button <laughs> <laughs> like just the top of the mushroom <laughs> <laughs> this is my favorite story <laughs> was there like a little machine they would put the money into or how did that work yeah basically and then or a the... curtain came up or yeah kind of so it'd be kind of like a shade maybe there's a glass window and you did the show behind no contact involved and it was the greatest thing in the world they paid the, the machine money to open the curtain so that they could see you and then how did you get paid like the house would pay you oh 110 for 15 minutes tops if i remember and could they give you additional tips if you were real good at your uh at your role playing definitely would the guys always try to shoot their jizz on the glass during those? Uh, not all the time. No. Did that happen a lot? Not really. A, I have a, a story about that, a little napkin. So um, <laughs> I also worked at the peep shows back in the day. And there was a guy that everybody called the cookie guy. So the cookie guy would come in and he would be on his side and the girl would be on her side and he would do his, his thing. And, you know, he'd want her to talk dirty to him and whatnot. And he brought a chocolate chip cookie and he would blow his load <laughs> on the cookie and then eat the cookie. What brand? I did not <laughs> ever ask what brand. It was a soft chocolate chip cookie, a, a fairly big one. And he would eat the whole cookie after mm, oh. the cookie guy. No jizz mopper needed. No jizz mopper needed. He just needed little sprinkles or something on the cookie, like a little frosting. A little frosting. <laughs> I wonder if he does that when he's at home too. <laughs> 
All right, Jenny, one more story before you go. Tell us uh, the story that you always go to whenever you are at a party talking about your past life in, in the industry. What do you tell? You already told the story. Oh, the- yeah, but now you have to tell it because I told it wrong. Oh, okay, so there was a girl in the industry that got caught giving a blowjob in the champagne room. The girl who did it was actually kind of a girl who judged others for grinding too much or whatever. So when she got caught doing this, we were all like, oh, hell no, you know, running our mouths. Everybody was running their mouths. She was like, I didn't get paid for it. I wasn't getting paid. Sometimes you just get drunk and you want a dick in your mouth. Because she was always talking shit, you know, so we were all in the dressing room when she got escorted out, right? So my friend grabs a curling iron and she's like, you know, licking the curling. You thought I get drunk and want to think of my mouth. We were mocking her, you know, because obviously she's always had something to say at the end of the night. It's a great story. I didn't have all the context before when I heard this, that she was like judgmental. Right. Well, I wasn't there. I told you I wasn't there when it happened. I got the story wrong. I didn't have all the deets. Wow. She sounds like an asshole. That was like coming up with the only excuse she she could think of yeah. right but at the same time she's probably pretty wasted so maybe she really did and just one dick in her mouth i don't know i'm here to tell you that sometimes you do just need a dick in your mouth. you mean, need one i know <laughs> true story <laughs> so is. jenny thank you so much for talking to us today great talking to you thanks jenny thank you so much for having me and with that we're, we're here, here if you need, need to talk. talk did i scream